Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. This is our Friday edition as we're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., live on Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary Hall of Fame boxing writer Jack Hirsch, as today on our show we will have uh, Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, about 8.30, followed by Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk and the Philly Sports Guy at 9.30. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jack. How you doing? Good, Mac. Uh, we have the same menu, it seems, each Friday. Yes. Byron, Keith Angle, Pags, and all. Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me when I used to go up to the Bosch Belt, like Kutch's Country Club, the Concord, the same food menu. It was all great stuff. Right. I, I never got tired of it and never get tired of those guys. No, no. I mean, you know, uh, me working in the restaurant business for a long time, when you start changing things, in certain cases, people get upset. Like, I've been coming here for 30 years and I've been whatever. But yeah, we got quality on Friday and we'll keep the quality there with those three guests who really fill us in on all the sports information, updates and previews uh, that we use uh, from this week and the weekend. So, Jack, let's get to it. Let's start with some NBA scores for you, some news in the NBA, too. And over time, the Bucks beat the Nets 120-119. The Hawks pretty much destroyed Cleveland 131-107. to And over time, the Bulls came back to beat the Clippers 135-130. to The Jazz beat the Lakers 122-109. to And the Pistons upset the 76ers 102-94. to Now, in the Bulls game, a DeMar... DeRozan scores 50 in the comeback win versus the Clippers. Um, this is a guy taking the team on, on his back and, you know, and trying to keep the Bulls in the playoff race. They've been having problems with really good teams. Now, the Clippers aren't really good, Jack. I mean, they're good. They're solid. They may cause some problems if they get in the playoffs like they did last year. But, you know, he's not playing the Phoenix Suns or anything. But to me, here's a guy stepping up and saying, hey, we're not going to lose this game. You know, DeRozan might be an MVP candidate if you look at it very carefully with what he's done. And it's remarkable, you know, being traded from Toronto to San Antonio, winding up with the Bulls. He's really stepped his game up an awful lot. Paul George is back for the Clippers. They get K.Y. Leonard back. I don't think he'd be coming back this year. I mean, we don't hear about him at all. Nothing, Wasn't nothing. he one of the biggest names in the NBA not long ago? It's amazing the way teams and players on top one minute and then they kind of slip out like we were talking not that long ago about the Utah Jazz being a title contender and they just had to break a five-game losing streak. You mentioned the Nets there. It was a, it was a playoff-type atmosphere, Milwaukee against the Nets yesterday. Milwaukee wins that game. They pull it out in overtime. Kyrie Irving is complaining after the game that the Bucs are maybe – getting and Giannis in particular a little too physical at times. And we might have a little rivalry, you know, starting with the Bucks and the Nets. And as far as the Sixers go, it's something I'm sure Pax is going to want to speak on later because there's a bit of dissension creeping up yeah. with Doc Rivers. Since they've gotten James Harden, things haven't quite worked out. Harden got off to a a quick start and there was all this nice talk about Harden mentoring some of the other players and the Sixers, you know, had these aspirations for championship this year. 
But to lose to the Detroit Pistons, who are one of the weaker teams in the NBA, even though they have some good young players led by Kate Cunningham, there's trouble in uh, Sixerland. And supposedly Doc Rivers, when they asked him about his bench, he reportedly said his bench wasn't the reason they lost. It was James Harden missing yeah. some shots. Now, even though the remark may have been benign in nature, meaning, well, if James just hit the shots, it just sounds bad. I agree. I agree, Jack. And, you know, Giannis scores 44 points in that win over the, the Nets. Do you think we kind of take him for granted? I mean, he's always scoring over 30 points, always getting 10 or more rebounds, getting some assists. He's just – they call him a Greek freak for a reason, right? He, he's, he's kind of a freak of nature. He's not outspoken. He's not – loud he's not in the you know talking about certain things he just plays and he loves the game and I think I'm not trying to compare him as a player to Michael Jordan but it seemed that's how Michael Jordan was too he just played the game and played it great and you couldn't give him the MVP every year I guess so they didn't you think we get we got that same perception with Giannis Giannis represents everything good about the NBA you see these other stars they got a great game but they always have a complaint, like Kevin Durant, great play. And he might be a very nice guy. I'm not saying he isn't, but he's always complaining about something. Something is always bothering him. He can't seem to enjoy every moment. And then you see Giannis, he's on the court before the game. He sees the ki kids there. He walks over to them and he asks, can he give them like a jersey? Can he sign their thing? He asked them, can he have his picture taken with them? And you see him put his arm around them very warmly and smiling in front of the parents. And you mm -hmm. see all the people around. Giannis seems to be enjoying himself. But it's Giannis' style of game, too. It's not like a typical NBA star who will hit the long three-point that puts on the fake. Giannis is very direct. He takes the ball to the basket. He scores. Yesterday, he had a little bit of a satisfying moment. They said, well, he doesn't take the big shots per se. He just drives to the basket. Well, he hit a big three-pointer to tie the game, you know, that send it into overtime, and then the Bucks win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think some some players, it seems like the players that enjoy playing and having a good time uh, don't get the publicity like the other guys that you say are complaining or have things to say that have nothing to do with basketball. And, the, uh, and also the Bucks did clinch a playoff spot, so they're in no problem. NHL scores the Hurricanes beat the Canadians 4 to nothing. The Bruins destroy uh, the, the uh, not the Flyers, New Jersey Devils 8-1. to Panthers beat the Blackhawks 4 to nothing. Islanders over the Blue Jackets 5-2. to Toronto beats the Jets 7-3. to The Penguins 4, the Wild 3. Avalanche beats the Sharks 4-2. to The Kings over the Flames 3-2. to The Stars three the ducks two now toronto's uh matthews got his league leading 50th goal uh this year some uh, some I, I never heard of the guy honest jack i mean i'm not a big hockey follower like a lot but you normally know the better players in the league and matthews right now with the 50th score uh goal is leading 50th goal i gotta tell you years ago i'm so old mac I remember years ago when I was a kid and Bobby Hall scored 50 goals in the season. It was historic. Bobby Hall, the great Chicago Blackhawk player. He had this hard, hard slap shot, but 50 goals in a year was like, 
un- it was the equivalent of a, ru- a runner running a mile in under four minutes for the first time when Bobby Hall did it. But now, you know, it's pretty common. And also Connor McDavid of, of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, la, 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 the Oilers reaches a hundred points. Uh, with a goal and assist in, on the Oilers' win. So congratulations to him. So a couple players uh, making the big, big numbers there, and they're both courts. I got to tell you about hockey, Mac. We talk about sports being diluted as far as teams making the playoffs that too many teams get in. Maybe too many teams are getting in hockey as well. But when you consider a team like the Islanders who've had a real off year, they're like three games over 500 as far as their one loss record. And they're not going to make the playoffs. Kind of shows you teams have to have a good record and they have to earn their way in. That it's not a gimme to just get in the playoffs in the NHL. I agree. I mean, you guys got you have to be competitive, unlike the NBA. You can get in with a you know under five hundred record, depending on where your placement is. You can be ten games under five hundred mm-hmm. and make the play-in tournament. Hundred percent right, Jack. Hundred percent right. So, in the MLB, the Major League Baseball, uh, the Mets fans got to be holding their breath as Jacob Degrom starts complaining about stiffness in his throwing shoulder again. He'll be out of Friday's outing and will prop may not start the opener, Jack. Jacob DeGrom said he was going to opt out of his contract at the end of the year and become a free agent. He didn't say he wouldn't resign with the Mets. He has three years left, I think it is. But he can opt out at the end of this year if he wants, or he can, or he'll be guaranteed the three years. He wants to opt out because he's getting paid, and uh, don't laugh, Mac, $27.5 million a year. That's great money, but... When you consider Garrett Cole's getting $36 million, and when you consider a bad example, Max Scherzer, the Mets are paying him over $43 million a year on a three-year deal. <clears throat> so the Grams logic is if you're paying Max Scherzer over $43 million and I'm getting $27.5, I want to get around $40 million. I want to get I deserve it as much as Max Scherzer, maybe more, because if I'm at the top of my game, I'm the best pitcher in baseball. And I want my salary to mirror Max Scherzer's. He didn't say it out loud, but that's what he's thinking. So $27.5 million, the gram is being actually a little underpaid when he, if he's at the top of his game and healthy. But the thing about it is, if he does have all this shoulder tightness and he opts out of his contract, he's not going to get Max Scherzer type money at the end of the year because teams are going to be too scared to make that type of investment. But with that said, don't cry for Jacob DeGrom, because at the end of this year, he's guaranteed a total of $55 million, even if he never pitches again. You know, I, I mean, I've, I know that there are a lot of players who are great that end up getting injured or getting nagging injuries that, you know, kind of halt their career. Uh, even with him wanting the same amount of money of Max Scherzer, I would think he would want to pitch this year to, you know, to get what you're saying, to, to get that type of money. And Max Scherzer, even though he did have his spell of injuries, has bounced back and it looks really good. Um, I don't know. I, I Listen, I think Jacob DeGrom has got to give you a show-me year again that he's not hurt. Not that he can't pitch because he is the, probably the best pitcher when healthy, but that he can make it through, you know, a year without being – you know, take him back to the sidelines or the bench because he's hurt. 
Well, you know what it is? It's a game of bluff, and sometimes it backfires. Uh, we had a debate, for example, as far as becoming a free agent on Freddie Freeman. Who's to blame, the Braves or the player? And I, I blame the Braves if I had a push came to shove, and I remember Doc did. You blame Freddie Freeman. You know, reading up on it more, you know, it could have gotten done on Freddie Freeman's part of the deal because the Braves at one point offered him a similar contract. So if you want to stay somewhere and the money's reasonably close, you take it. Look, look at the case of Yankee first baseman Anthony Rizzo. Before he went over to the Yankees, when the Cubs traded him last year, they tried to sign him to an extension they offered him a five-year extension worth a total of $70 million, $14 million a year. Now, he became a free agent, and he wound up re-signing with the Yankees for two years, $32 million. It's slightly more per year than what the Cubs offered, but it's only for two years. And if Anthony Rizzo kind of flames out after two years, his total for five years is going to be significantly less than the $70 million the Cubs offered. So, you know, you're kind of taking a bit of a risk. But maybe the logic is, look, we have enough money to last a lifetime anyway, so they can kind of take the gamble. Even with Aaron Judge, he's taking a gamble if he goes free agent this year. Because if you suffer a horrific injury, you're not going to get – you're not going to get too great of a contract for the following year. So it's all kind of a game of bluff, a game of chicken back and forth. But there's the injury fact. And these athletes who hold out, they, they're basing it that they can't suffer a really bad injury. But, you know, we know they could. Well, speaking of Aaron Judge, and I can't wait to get Keith here on the program. It's been said by sources close to Judge and the Yankees that the Yankees offered Aaron Judge $30 million per year. Uh, the years are in question. It looked like the Yankees offered him six to seven. Aaron Judge has turned it down, according to the sources, saying he wanted more years. He wanted a Mike Trout contract. So we're talking eight to ten years. Now, I tell you, Keith's coming on. You know I'm going to get him on this. And I believe these sources because they're close to the Yankees and judge. If that's so, the Yankees should trade him right now, Jack. I actually agree with you. How many? But the question is, how many years can you go with Aaron Judge? Okay, that's the big question. What's the maximum amount of years? I wouldn't want to give more than six years. If push came to shove, can I live with giving Aaron Judge seven years? Can I live with that? You know, it's risky. The back end of the contract, he might not be nearly as effective as he is now. But I might be willing to take that risk he, because he's the face of the Yankees. So you kind of give in. You take him seven years. It would take him to age 38, I believe it is. I'm not going to go beyond that. I'm not going to go beyond seven years. I'm not going to go eight years with Aaron Judge. If I can't do it on seven years, I trade him. And those are my parameters. The first thing the Yankees have to do with Aaron Judge is not talk money, talk years. They have to find out, are you willing to take X amount of years? And if he says no, it's got to be a minimum of eight years, minimum, 
I trade him because I want to give him six years, but I'm willing to compromise at seven years. And I'm wincing in that seventh year, Mac. It's painful for me to do it. But I figure, okay, I'll do it and I'll hope for the best. But that's as far as I can go. You know, you have to have a cutoff point, Mac. And what people don't understand, they want you to go past your cutoff point and keep going past it. And, you know, and you actually do that in the beginning, but eventually you have to stop the car. There's a light, there's a stop sign, okay? You just have to come to a complete halt. And this is it. And as hard as it would be to train Aaron Judge, the Yankees that actually have to do it. Because if they don't do it, they have two options. Either give him what he wants, and they don't want to go there with that, or let him just play out the season. And at the end of the year, he's a free agent, and the odds are you're going to lose him unless you're going to then give in to his demands that you didn't want to do in the first place. Well, you're a lot more generous than me, Jack. In fact, I would try to talk him into taking a short-term deal where he could go out and maybe go to free agency again and talk extension. I'd only offer him four or five years at the most at $30 million a year. And, you know, to me, then you, he still has the chance to go out and renegotiate an extension or contract. You start talking 10 years like a Pujols or a Trout or, or whatever, and you see what happened to Pujols. You see what happened to Trout. And Judge is not one of the players that has been injury-free. No, 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 no. Mike Trout was legitimately hurt. There's no evidence his skills have declined. The Pujols contract was a dumb contract that the Angels signed him to a 10-year deal. He was age 31, signing for 10 years to take him to age 41. It was a stupid contract on the Angels' part. They didn't get their full value on the contract. You know, he had some good years in the beginning. That was that was predictable. He only made one all-star team, Pujols, with the Angels in 10 years. I mean, you know, I so you think of it. Well, they traded him to the Dodgers last year. That was like the final year of his contract with the Angels. And it was... Whoop. Sorry, Jack. Keep yeah. Going. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Yeah. And... Uh, I, you know, you don't look what happened with Robinson Cano. He has two years left on his contract. You just, you look at the back end of the contract and teams don't do that. That's where they go wrong. The Francisco Lindor contract is a disastrous contract that the Mets signed up to. I said it before the contract, 10 years for Francisco Lindor, whose skills were slowly declining when they signed him. They were slowly declining. Now the Mets got, you know, he had one year left on his contract when they signed him. Now they have 10 more years of Francisco Lindor. What the heck are they going to do with him in a few years? He could be good next year. Lindor can still be good for, let's say, four more years. Let's say for argument's sake. But he, the, those last few years of that contract, they're paying him $31 million a year. And he's just going to be an average guy. The only way you can feel you've won in a deal like that, well, if you win a championship or two, you could then rationalize, he helped me win a championship in the beginning. Kind of like with the Yankees when they signed Mark Tashira to an eight-year contract that paid him $22.5 a, a year. They overpaid 
but they did win a championship with Teixeira. He was a popular Yankee. So it wasn't a big loss as far as overpaying. It wasn't outrageous. They could look back and say, look, he was a good Yankee for eight years. We won one world championship. We could have done a lot worse. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not agreeing with everything you say there because I think Teixeira was a good defensive first baseman. But again, injuries. Great defensive first baseman. Injuries, again, play the big part. Lindor's playing a position, shortstop, that you have to be an athlete uh, to to be to to remain effective at shortstop, you'd probably have to move him if you're in his last few years of his contract. He seems to be bouncing back in spring training, but that is spring training and it's not regular baseball. So we'll see what happens with that. So uh yeah, we'll see what happens. MLB should be interesting. Me and you both love baseball. The judge thing is gonna dominate headlines. Judge is saying to the Yankees. He's not going to discuss contract when the year begins. I wish the Yan- the Yankees have waited too long on this. I, I can't blame Jack, they offered it to him. They, he, he no, 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 no. But it took too long. They could have addressed his situation uh, last year. They should have addressed the, it in no, the offseason. I don't blame the Yankees at all, Jack. They, they could do what they want. It's up to Judge whether he accepts the contract. Well, Judge can do what he wants. There you go. So I'm not blaming him. I'm, 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 I'm not going to blame the Yankees for doing what they did. They they are unsure of Aaron Judge, and I don't blame him. I am still too. I'm still unsure about Aaron Judge and his and his 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 availability. I'm still unsure about it. But they did make him the offer before the season started, and he turned it down. So I think the I think the Yankees will get it done in the next few days. We'll I see. think the Yankees are going to up their offer. To something like six years, two hundred million, like thirty-three million a year. They, you know, the Yankees might actually do seven years, like about two hundred and thirty-three million. This will be my prediction: about thirty-three million a year, seven years. And if Judge doesn't take it, okay, seven years, about thirty-three million a year. I think the Yankees, you know, either. I don't want to say they're going to trade him. They're not going to do it. They're going to let him just play out. You know, the oh, year. they better trade him. They better now. trade him. If they let him play out, they're, they're they're crazy. Backstage right now, we have Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, also uh, the co-host of JMB Talkin's Shop on Wednesdays, and we got to talk a little bit about what happened on JMB first, Jack, before we get into. Our uh, our NFL. Uh, oh, I don't know what happened on JMB. I didn't catch it last week. I know you're such a faithful follower. Well, Byron and Jim Jeffcoat <laughs> who were talking about their fishing expedition during one of their big uh, fundraisers down in Texas. Yeah, Jim said he caught a bigger fish than Byron. Byron said he cheated. That Jim did not take a photo on the boat. He took it on the dock, which means he could have got the fish from anybody. He might have even went in and bought it. We don't know. And Jim said, nonsense. I had the bigger fish. You know it, Byron. So, you got the picture of Jim Jeffcoat or yours? Is that yours? That's mine. Okay. So, Jim Jeffcoat has sent me a photo of him <laughs> on the boat, Byron. And the, the reported results of this where he was in second place and you were in fourth, not by much. I mean, it was a close, a close match. 
So let's see. Let's see if I can pull up Jim's. Uh, Jim sent you that. Yeah, Jim sent me. Let me let me see if I get it here. I get it up so you get that. Because only problem that hey hey Matt, only problem right. I have with that is written yeah. in it's written in somebody handwriting. It's not official. Okay, it's not official, right? It is not. It is not printed. You are right, but that is the picture of Jim Jeffcoat's fish. He's on I land. I'm in the boat. He's on land. No, he's got the seat behind him, Byron. So he's he's either just getting. How do you know you Jim didn't get that fish kind of shipped to him from the fish market or something? How do we know? Did anyone we, see him catch it? Right. Well, that's see, that's the bone of contention with Byron is that Jack, you know, that maybe, maybe that this is uh, a uh, a a. Uh, so here we go. Here is the results. Jim Jeffcoat has the biggest fish, according to the results here, whoop, at 232 pounds and 38. I'm trying to do it so you guys can see it without the light being on you. But, but if right. you can see it, Jim Jeffcoat has the biggest at 238. Byron comes in at two, nine, two pounds, 19 ounces. So, But Byron is correct. It is in handwriting. So I don't know if it's a – there's no official report. We don't have an official report right now. So this is this is what we need to do, Matt. What's that? We all need to get on the same boat. Right. And then go fishing. Right. I mean, what are you saying? You need a do-over. Is that what you're saying, Byron? You need Absolutely. a do-over. Because and guess what? Go ahead, Byron. He left at 12 o'clock. I stayed out there on the water till one o'clock. So there there is a um there's a problem with that. Yes. Yes, there is because, and there's no official eyewitness. We haven't heard from an eyewitness yet that says that Jim was actually on the boat when he caught it. So there is still a lot to be uncovered here, folks. But as far as the proof goes right now, Byron's fish looked bigger in the photo, too. It did. I've got to admit it. Byron's fish did look bigger. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's just fatter. I don't know. And that's but another anyway. thing. It might not be the same scale that weigh those fish. Another great point, Byron. Another great point. We're not sure. So there's a lot to be uncovered, and I know that we'll get to the bottom of this, this uh, very soon. Well, so Byron, if we get to the bottom, they, hey, if I want to say, if we get to the bottom, we know Jack, we know Jim will win because he like laying on the bottom of the pile. Mm -hmm. I like going across the middle. Exactly. Well, you got it. You got it. The well, yeah, Jim. Uh, he's a big believer. Between the two, you should just get flatten cutting across the middle and get it over with rather than spend one minute on the bottom of the pile. I mean, if I were young, if I was someone's attorney and those what the judge gave me two options to advise my client, I don't know. I think I'd go to the bottom of the pile. I wouldn't want that one hit from Ray Lewis, that one devastating hit. Man, you know, right, Byron? You but, but Ray Lewis too. couldn't catch me. He could. He could. He couldn't catch me. I'm too fast for that for Ray Lewis. So I wouldn't worry about Ray Lewis. Yeah. Right. But you. But if he's in the zone and you're coming across country in the ball, uh, you never know, Byron. Well, yeah. Tom Brady stopped throwing the ball, leading his receivers, because he didn't want them to get hit across the middle. He felt for them. Yeah. So he. He, he's he's the only he's the only quarterback that's have turned the game around. So yeah, you you got to you got to go by what Tom Brady does for for sure. Yes, yes. So uh, so he says. So so Byron, let's let's get to the NFL owners real quick. I just want to bring up a couple uh, things mm -hmm. about that. Uh, the hiring of a new offensive assistant to a team 
a contract for one year has to be female or a minority, uh, has to spend a year with the with the team. The most important thing I see there is that the head coach is required to spend significant time with this new offensive assistant coach. Now, I think it's I, I don't think there's any problem with that ruling at all, especially them being paid by a league-wide fund, not the team. But I can see some problems on the horizon with this. After that year contract, this offensive coach saying, well, the head coach really didn't spend a lot of time with me. And what's the NFL going to do about that? Are they going to find the team or find the coach? Yeah, it just, I just, that don't make sense to me. I mean, you need to bring football-minded people in. Um, forget all these rules and guidelines that they're trying to uh, create. I mean, it's already hard enough to be a head coach in the National Football League. Now you're adding some more, some more liabilities and some more time factors into it. I, I think it's, it's nonsense. But maybe they try. I don't know what they're trying to create. I it just it don't make sense to me. Football is X's and O's. That's about winning winning games, and uh, you getting you getting beside yourself when you add these other factors into into the equation. I mean, I could see the offensive coordinator. I could see the quarterback coach. I could see position coaches. Yeah. But when you're strapping that to a head coach who is in charge of everything on the team, saying, hey, yeah. you've got to sit there and explain or have powwows with this uh, person that maybe never coached football in his life or maybe coached at you know, the peewee level, and you're going to tell him he's got to sit down and go over things with him? It's going to be rough. Uh, I, I want to make a comparison when I taught – uh, most of most of the power professionals were very good, but once in a while you're given a power professional. I was given who was very slow, and I was spending more time training the power professional and keeping after the power professional, and I was paying attention to the kids. It seemed, you know, I pay attention to the kids, but so much energy was going into trying to train the paras. Some of them were very excellent, but you know, occasionally you had one that just didn't get it. And, yeah. you know, and the, and the principal would keep asking, oh, train this para, train this para. And it would just take away from what I was trying to do in the classroom now and then. I mean, it wasn't a major problem, but it was a source of annoyance. Could you imagine Bill Belichick having to spend time training an offensive coordinator? Bill Parcells, he would, he would, he would want to tell one of his assistants, "You work with so and so," and then the new hire would complain, "No, the head coach didn't give me any time." I mean, it, these guys are so busy as it is, and uh, yeah. I, I know the league is trying to do the right thing, and it's appreciated. You know, right. the intentions of the league are very good. And they have to be commended for their intentions. But something like this can backfire because it just takes one hire to claim that they were completely ignored. And could you yeah. imagine they sue the league and now it becomes national news? Exactly. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, that's why you have interns. And I, I know that I, I mentor a kid that, that coach at, uh, was at Louisiana University. Now he is at Florida. Um, and he, he, you know, he worked himself up and he did, he's like a work with office, office analysis and the data part. And he, he have really, uh, you know, got another promotion and, uh, you know, he worked himself up. He's been there now about five years. And I saw where he had slowly improved the skill set and level and for the game, not uh, t uh, game planning and things like that. 
I think that's how you do it. And and the way they do it in college, it's kind of, you know, you, you kind of assess these kids and these young people and you, you know, you, you, you take them as a protege and, and then work, let them work themselves up. I mean, just don't come in there and add more <clears throat> responsibility to the head coach. I mean, that don't make sense to me. Me either, Byron. And, you know, they do that. Like you say the interns, you know, these college coaches come up to the professional uh, teams and they spend the summer with them and they go through all the training with them. And that's how they get their experience. I know a couple coaches that are professional coaches right now that talked about that, where they actually went up there. They learned how the, you know, how the camp was set up, how they drilled the players, how they talked to the players. And they took that back with them and they ended up getting to the pros because of that, you know, internship. And you're 100 right. Instead of a guy tagging, I could imagine as Jackson, Bill Belichick walking around, this guy right behind. I would him. love the I would love the new hire to keep after Bill Belichick, following him all over. Bill, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. Teach me, Bill. You know. I saw Bill a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl. Hey, he hey he don't sit still for a minute. He's always he used to walk around the locker room with pen and paper, you know, and the pencil up here, right? So ain't no way I can see that happening with Bill Belichick. That would be awesome. Can uh, you imagine and then you tell one of the interns, ask him to get Bill Bill Belichick, says, can you get me a cup of coffee as soon as it is? Well, yeah. hell will break loose. <laughs> I, I just say, I, I just say, watch. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, guaranteed. Uh, Byron, yeah, Byron, the, the other thing that came out of there, of course, was the overtime rule change in the playoffs. Jack yeah. kind of went off about, you know, they talked about the Buffalo Bill game where they had 13 seconds to stop Kansas City from getting in the field goal range. They couldn't do it. You know, it seems like to me, this is becoming like a participating trophy thing they have for kids, right? We're going to give you all a chance. You're all good. You're all... There's no more because the NFL wants to, to, you know, make everybody happy and you can't make everybody happy because you just haven't, have, you just haven't made me happy or Jack happy. The game's got to end. Yeah. And I don't care how you do it, but the defense has got to make a stop. It's, half, it's a third of the football team. And if they can't make a stop, they deserve to lose. That's It's that simple to me, Byron. What do you think? I, I agree. Totally agree with you guys. And I, I think, you know, you don't complicate the game. Then you're going to add a rule that you're just going to have for the playoffs and not during the regular season. You know, be consistent with the rules and, and the things that you want to implement. And don't 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 add stuff that don't make sense just because last year, you know, Buffalo, I feel felt sorry for Buffalo, uh, of course, but you know, you gotta give credit to the Kansas City Chief for, for what they did on the football field. But I just think too that you don't wanna keep adding rules and making the game kind of soft. You know, the game is built around defense, defensive strategy, being able to stop the opposing teams on offenses and things like that. But, you know, don't don't make the game so soft to where now we're putting on flags like we're doing almost in the Pro Bowl. You know, people are not interested in that. We love competition. We love people that, you know, work their way up to the success and the role that they play in these games. And, you know, it's hard to be a professional athlete. Well, so while are you setting these standards to now, you can almost put a dress on some guys. <laughs> you know what gets me? The reason we're having this rule change is because of the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe the amount of sympathy the Buffalo Bills are getting. They're kicking off to the Chiefs. They have a three-point lead with 13 seconds to go. They're kicking off. And they can't hold them, you know, keep them out of field goal range. 
And even then, the game goes into overtime and the Chiefs score a touchdown. All they had to do was hold them to a field goal and they would have gotten the ball back. And Buffalo is acting like they were the victims here. I mean, Absolutely. come on. Put the blame yeah. where it belongs. I mean, the defense just didn't get it done, and they had more than one opportunity. And another thing, too, when you kick the ball off, kick the ball in the field of play so it takes some more time off the clock. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did a lot of things wrong, special teams and defense. Yeah. And to me, all you're doing is rewarding them for not being able to win the ball game when they could have. And, you know, I don't want to see Byron – People love scoring. You know, I, I like a, a 24-21 game. I don't want to see a 60-58. to 58. I don't want to see that in football. You know, they if, have – I was going to say, if that's the case, go watch basketball. Right, or arena football. football. Watch arena yeah. football. You know, that's yeah. what they do there. So, I mean, you know, yeah. to me, I, I want to see a physical, aggressive game. I, I, I mean, I could get bored at 6-3. I understand that. But if it's 2017, 24-21 – that's a good game to me, and, and especially if it's a hard-fought game. To me, that's, no, you shouldn't put the points, Mac. If a team strikes quick and they're getting a lot of points that way, a 48-45 game could be an absolute thrilling game with a lot it of could scoring. Be. It could be, Jack, but to me it's not as fun. That tells me that their defense on the other team is just not that good. But, and and I want to say this. I want to say this, too. Bring back guys like – Lester Hayes and guys who come up in your face, and it's not easy to get off the line of scrimmage. Now you're talking about real football. That's yeah. what that's the kind of football we played. You know, you got to well, get well, off. Well, the line didn't of Lester Hayes cheat a little, Byron? Did he have some stick on his hand? Was that legal or what? It was Did legal he, back then, but it was legal then. I mean, they didn't. They, they they ruled it. I think around '85, I think. But I, I think uh, people start complaining about it. I think they they you made wear a stick with them, Byron, because that would help you catch the ball. I didn't want no stick him. I just I just went fast. I won't. I, I went fast at him, but you know no, my wouldn't first game him, wouldn't stick him help you. You know, keep possession of the ball a little more than normal. But if you, when you sweat and there's rain and things like that, and the dirt get in there, they get it get real messy. So uh, back in the day, that that was the reason why people couldn't wear a stick him anyway. But yeah. but for but Lester Hayes, he loves stick. That was his game. That was part of what he he yeah. loved to do. Listen, Fred Belitikoff had stick him on his shoes for God's sakes. I mean, yeah, he did. Was covered with stick him. So, but I think it was a Raider thing too, though. Yeah, it was a big Raider thing. That's the truth. I think John Madden wore stick him too before the game. But anyway, yeah. he's coaching. Um, let's get to the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones. A big article just came out. Of course, we know he's in that little situation with a, a, a young lady who claims to be his daughter. From what Jerry Jones' action is, he believes it. So she's suing for paternity. But, Byron, the man has spent millions on this girl already. Two trust funds. Let me give let me give you some of the things he's bought this girl. Not just money, but he's bought her a $70,000 Range Rover. He's he's bought uh, him... She, he gave her $33,000 to her sweet 16 party. He he, he gave contributed $50,000 for her to go on vacation after she got out of college. And as I said, she has a trust fund set up for when she turns 26 and 28. And now she's suing him for paternity. Now, Jerry Jones, of course, is done. And I don't blame him. I might be done, too. I don't feel sorry for Jerry Jones most of the time or 99.9% .9 of the time. But here I get it. This girl, this spoiled young girl, 
is trying to get this guy for everything he has. And now I see why the Dallas Cowboys can't sign any big free agents. Uh, yeah. Now. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, 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 it's in the news out here in Dallas. And um, she, she wanted to be recognized as part of the, the family and, and so forth. She, you know, I, I, you know, I just, it's unfortunate that this, these things happen, but, you know, we live in a world where grief is part of, of everything. And, and she, she right now trying to, trying to get, um, you know, trying to get, get too much. I think that's unfair, unfortunate, but, you know, I think Jerry will find a way to get out of it. He always does. He, he got some great attorneys, so I, I think they'll figure out. Uh, he'll have some explaining to do to his wife. I mean, if oh, she doesn't know man. about this, you don't get out of it so easily. I mean, it, it seems like he wanted this to be a secret. Yeah, he thought it was going to be a secret, but, you know, unfortunately, everything leaks. And, you know, I, I just right now, I just think it really uh, bring a distraction to the Cowboys again. There's always something about them that caused them to not be football focused. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I, I, I get it. I mean, she wants all you to know, be part of that billion-dollar family over there. Yeah. But, yeah. man, I mean, you know, when does it end? And, you know, I mean, if I was him, I'd be ticked right now, too. I mean, listen, I've given you everything I could yeah. over your life. You're 28 years old. Let's get it together. You know what I mean? But, hey, it is what it is. Um, There's a few blockbuster moves in the NFL that still could be made, Byron. I went through a list of them. The two biggest ones I see are three, really, mm -hmm. is Kyle Murray, Jackson, and DK Metcalf. They all haven't signed yet. And I don't know what's going to – I'm going to be honest with you. I would think they would want to sign Jackson with the Ravens. I would think the Cardinals would want to sign Murray. But I'm not sure. I mean, DK Metcalf, to me, is gone, right? He's in his last year. Russell Wilson's gone. They're rebuilding – rebuilding he's going in a contract here he's going to want the money the other receivers got so i think i think that's 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 going to happen but right. i think there's a chance byron that jackson and kyle murray that might happen too it might it it, it, it really might because you know now these quarterbacks are getting 40 45 million to 50 million and that's the tag right now and and right now these guys are sitting in a, in a in a pretty good little seat, but I you know I think both teams should try to sign these guys and, and continue to build their legacy and build build you know build the teams around these guys because they still got a lot of left in the in the tank and for what they bring to the team for his leadership and um, I I just think you know uh, this day and time man it, it, this free agent market went unballistic it it was. It was good to see things going the way it's going, but sometimes you can run out of money in order to pay everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think DK Metcalf. I agree with you, Mac. I think he's going to be gone on draft night, some way, somehow. The only question is who can afford to slot him into their cap space. That's the big question because obviously the Green Bay Packers would love to have him to come to replace Devontae Adams, give Aaron Rodgers a big target. But they can't slot them into their cap space. You kind of—I have a gut feeling the Jets, who have some space under the cap, are going to make a move towards DK Metcalf. They have some, you know, high second rounders. I just get the feeling he just might wind up a Jet. Yeah, with the cap being uh, 208, it, it is really hard to find some caps money for some of these players for, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, DK Metcalf to the Jets is not is not going to be two round second round, Jack. You're going to have to give up a first round for that. And I don't know if the Jets are smart to do that, but you no, know, they go four. Um, they go number four and number ten. They're not mm-hmm. going to give up five of those picks. I hope not. And I, I think not. they go number thirty-five and thirty-eight. I could see the Jets giving up the thirty-fifth and thirty-eighth play in the draft for DK Metcalf, and I could see Seattle taking it. Big when they could get two starters out of this. And maybe the Jets throw in a future pick like a fourth round and it gets done. We'll see. Yeah, and I just you know the Jets got four picks in the in the in the top fifty, right? They got four picks. Like and top thirty-eight, they, I believe. Yeah, top yeah. thirty-eight, yeah. So they, they definitely need to be able to take advantage of it. But they need to also get out of the bottom the uh, rank ranking of the NFL for a thirtieth second, thirtieth team you know so yeah yeah i mean i could see maybe the jags making a move on them or i i could see some teams making a move on dk metcalf you know i the ravens owner came out and said he was very upset with the cleveland ownership giving uh you know watson that big a deal and guaranteed it wasn't so much they gave him the 230 240 it was all guaranteed and he says that makes it impossible for other NFL owners who have quarterback issues, contracts such as Jackson, who say, hey, listen, I've been in the playoffs. I've been the MVP. I deserve Watson money. And then you look over at Kyle Murray, who has been a less significant, but he is their franchise quarterback, saying, hey, you know, look at all the guaranteed money he got. So there is a rift right now between the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore Ravens more than just on the field, Byron. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, I think they they made a good point. I mean, this guy still got some criminal activities for him on the civil side, and um, you know, giving that kind of money, you know. But you know, the the Cleveland owners came out and said they did some a lot of investigations, and they dug into the the situation with uh, Watson to see you know see what what the stipulations and things are. But man, it it is it opened up. <laughs> Opened up a Padres box for us things that you know. Why are you doing this? And because it go it gonna be a ripple effect with some of these other teams. And it's you know, I mean, I can't tolerate sometimes when owners criticize other owners. What's Cleveland supposed to do if they don't sign Watson? They have to stick with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, meaning their chances of going to the Super Bowl are not nearly as good as it. Deshaun Watson is going to be with him. And right before Deshaun Watson signed with Cleveland, Deshaun Watson ruled Cleveland out. He let them know he wasn't signing with him. That's when they came up with the big money. I think it's a question with Baltimore. They're upset because now it makes it harder to sign Lamar Jackson because now they're going to have to pay him more. Because every time you get one of these massive deals, it kind of resets the market and makes it a little harder. That's that's all there is to it. The Ravens, let them just hold firm. Don't sign Lamar Jackson and let them look elsewhere and see if someone else is going to give Lamar that crazy money because I don't think anyone else would. Yeah, it'll be hard to find that kind of money anyway with the, with the way the salary caps are. And, you know, and, and but, the, you know, everybody looking for this guaranteed money. And it's, it went crazy this year. I mean, it's – you know, it's still a, a team game. I mean, giving one player a lot of money is, is you, you defeat the purpose of trying to go to the Super Bowl. 
I agree, and I agree. Watson going to Cleveland Browns don't make them a Super Bowl contender. I really, I really believe that because you know you can't you can't sign anybody else when you got money like that going out the quarterback. So we'll see what happens. A lot of people think they're a Super Bowl favorite. I don't. I don't think they're a Super Bowl favorite at all. So we'll see what happens over there. Um, Andy Dalton to the New Orleans Saints for a year contract. In my opinion, um, this may be unpopular. In my opinion, Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than James Winston. Period. The, 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 the stats show it. James Winston, as a starter, has not won a playoff game. Uh, Dalton has. I think Dalton's more experienced. The only thing Winston has is, is youth on him. I think there's going to be, Byron, I don't know if you agree, I think there's going to be a competition for the first stringer this year. Yeah, and I, and I think they still still might draft a quarterback anyway, but, you know, they, they didn't they, – I think they did themselves a, a big – got themselves a big help in, in signing uh, Andy. Uh, Dalton, because he he's still very significant, very impactful. He don't make no mistakes. His records show everything that you just said. I mean, he even came here in Dallas and came in and did a great job. So yeah. he know how to manage a team, and uh, he know how to make sure that you know they can score some points on the field. So yeah, I think that's a good a good sign for the New Orleans Saints. Now, Byron Mack makes a very good point. If you look at how they performed over their careers. Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's been actually a little better, but there's a thing called upside. Jameis Winston has more upside than Andy Dalton. If he puts it all together, he can be a heck of a good quarterback, Jameis Winston, better than Andy Dalton. We've already seen the best of Andy Dalton, but I don't think we've ever seen the best of Jameis Winston, and maybe we never will. Yeah. But, but another thing, too, you know, coming off a knee injury, uh, sometimes it can really affect a player for his movement and mobility and being able to do some things. He's going to be limited uh, right now for how he can come off that knee injury. Joe Burrow came off his pretty good, didn't he? But he, Joe Burrow is younger. You know, when you get when you get over 26, 27, I keep saying this to people, it, your body is a different type of uh, – have a different type of element there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. That's I what mean, I think. That's, that's my opinion. I mean, I think Winston and Mariota have been a complete bust as the one and two quarterback. Been disappointed. Both of them have been disappointed. No, they haven't been. No, I, that's a little extreme, Mac. They haven't. For one of number one and number two. Well, they, they you know, they've been somewhat effective at times. I'm saying where they were took, Jack. I'm talking about for yeah. where in the for where they were drafted. Yeah. That's, that's all. I mean, if they were drafted and the third Mr. round. Mr. Bitsy, too, is uh, in, that, in, that, in that group as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll see. We'll see what happens with. It. In fact, I think Mitch has a better record than both of them. How's that? So we'll see. What, we'll see what happens there. Um, what? Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the Giants cleaning house. Uh, they there are rumors about him going to the Chiefs for Bradbury. Tiki says time to unload Barkley. Time to unload Jones. Tiki's not my favorite person. Uh, he talks a lot of trash about the Giants. And, and and the team. But maybe in this case, he's right, Byron. Maybe he's being honest. Maybe it is time, uh, especially if, if this year, to me, is the end for both of them. And Bradbury leaving. I want you to think about this for a minute, Byron, because I've been thinking about the Giants a lot last year. I wasn't really happy with all the free agents they picked up. I'm going to tell you why. The Giants were going in the direction their first year. They were getting all these young players, Holmes, McDaniels, the young defensive line, the young offensive line. And last year, they brought in all these free agents with experience, 
that were good on other teams. Of course, the other teams were a lot better than Jazz. So you bring in Ryan. Bradbury played pretty well. You know, you bring in these receivers. You bring in a tight end that that have been in the league for years. Well, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of what they were doing? It kind of upset the whole chemistry from the year before. And now here's uh, Joe Judge trying to put together a team of free agents and rookies as far as, as as opposed to taking a young team and trying to build it. I think the Giants cooked their own goose last year. I, I agree with you because uh, when you bring all these people in and mixture of all these different uh, attitudes and the chemistry is not there, you got to have some chemistry in the locker room. And then, of course, you had those injuries that affected, you know, we, you had the Martinez got hurt early in the season, which hurt hurt them tremendously with the leadership. So you you do have a lot of things that didn't make sense. But, you know, sometimes these free agency is not the fix, fix problem. I mean, you just got to have – the right leadership. I'm not, I'm not. I'm big on this. Who is the leader uh, in the locker room, on and off the football field? And you got to have that consistency with 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 the coaches as well. So it didn't make sense uh, with some of the things that they did. You know, Jim made a great point on your show. He played with this guy in Buffalo, and they wanted to bring him in. And Parcell said, "No, he's a lawyer. He knew about him already." Jim said, "No, he's a good guy," and they cut him almost that year when he came in, because he was a lawyer. He's a free agent that's been around the league a long time. He's already got his perspectives on things. And these guys can come in and disrupt the locker room faster than you know, right, Byron? I mean, you know yep. that if you bring in new guys with attitudes already and their yep. their thoughts, they're not just going to follow the program. They, right. They're going to come in here with their own attitudes, and that influences the team. I think that's – It really does. It, it, it can bring, it can bring a, a decay into the, the element, and then – Another thing too is how you practice, and and and, and now you got limitation on on how they practice uh, with with these some of these rules that they implemented. So you sometimes you don't get the timing and the chemistry together, and that really hurts. And I think the Giants been affected by that as well. Yeah, I, I just think last year they just threw away everything they started the first year, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. But that's that's just my opinion. So Byron, yeah. before you go. We know we we had last year we had our draft show April twenty eighth Thursday night. You gonna be able to be there for the Giants selections, my friend? I'll be there. I'll be there. Anything for you, Jeff. Anything for you, Matt. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm, I, oh yeah, we did have two tall at the golf tournament this weekend. I, I gave some really great expert advice last year during the draft show. Mac turned to me in front of you know all our the guests on and said, "Well." It was the Jets' time to go. He said, what do the Jets need? I had to give expert analysis, and I said, they need everything. <laughs> that was my answer. That's expert analysis. Hey, I'm glad to remember that one. Yeah. So, so two That's thoughts. the answer for the Giants, basically. They need everything. Tell, tell, us, tell, us, tell us a story about Tutal before you take off. Well, we were talking to Tutal uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, we were talking to him. You didn't mention oh. my name, I hope. Oh, Yeah. I'm almost if I can get him. Get him. Uh, he he want to meet you. He said he definitely want to meet you. But he did personally call me this week, so I I talked to him quite a bit. So I'm gonna have to. We I'm, me and you gonna schedule. Maybe we can schedule something with with Too Tall. Yeah. We should yeah. invite you and Too Tall. On, I'll on tell you what I'll do down the line. I I'd like to write a story on Too Tall's boxing career. You know, just focus on that whole thing. So if Tutal's agreeable to that, he should give me the exclusive on that. 
Exactly. And we're going to see if we can get both of you guys on the J&B talking shop. There you go. There you go. That would be good. And a too tall had you a remark. You want me to talk football on that show? I'm sure that's why. Well, we already had two tall on our show this year, and he talked football. So we're going to talk about boxing and everything. Boxing and yeah. Yes. Yes. We're yes. going to connect you two yeah. and, uh, and see if you get that story written. Maybe they can exchange phone numbers and addresses. Byron Absolutely. Not, I already Byron got his address. So, so yeah, you know, Jay, in the, you go, the negotiation. Okay. Yes. Okay, yeah. negotiation. All right. So, uh, Tutal did have a reaction when I said that Jim Jeffcoat was is the greatest defensive end in Cowboys history, and I think uh, it was it was totally positive. Over the yeah, yeah. Well, it's always a controversy with the Cowboys. I was the cow. Yes. I mean, the Cowboys. Yes, I, I I heard that he laughed is what he did. So, um, but listen. Listen, I'm not taking nothing away from Too Tall. He was a great defensive end. Probably belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But if you look at, if you look at the stats, Jim just just is is better. It's that simple. I'll tell him that to his face. You got to look Art, at the stats. The stats don't lie. Stomach. To his stomach or his yeah, but wait, 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 wait. But Too Tall was frequently double teamed, and they don't put only one man on Jim. <laughs> That's oh, here he goes. Here he goes. here he goes. here he goes again. I mean, listen. good point. Good point. That's a, that's a point. Don't tell yeah. Jim I said that. If he's listening, he finds out. But. In fact, in fact, I'm going to tell him you said they just put a ring back on him when he when he came in. So we'll we'll make sure he gets this the true story there. Byron, thanks as always for coming in. It's always fun having you on. Uh, we'll see you next Friday. And everybody, please tune into J and B Talking Chop with. Jim Jeffco and Byron Williams Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Care, you Byron. too, my friend. The great Byron Williams, NFL analyst, does a great job for us every Friday here on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. So, Jack, we're going to go ahead and take our first uh, time out here as we prepare for Keith Angle to come in. I can't wait. I just I can't wait. I can't wait for him to come in because I know how much he loves Aaron Judge. And it's just going to be fun. Folks, if you're out there right now, just stay tuned. I'm going to get him. I'm going to rattle his cage. We'll be right back after these messages, folks. Sometimes I don't know, Jack. I keep trying to get this stuff right. The board does not count. I, I've clicked this thing twice now. And it's like, well, I'm not just, I'm just not going to do it. It's your fault, Mac. You fire all your producers and your directors because things aren't getting done the way you right. want. You, you right. Too much hands on, Mac. I, I, I think that's it, Jack. But let's okay, see. Let's try out. I guess. Is this a TV timeout or team timeout? Backup, backup plan. Let's see. Look at that. Be right back after this one. Cheetos presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos, then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes crunch. 
nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. Your Wendy's kind of people. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just... And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink... How's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill. 
but they hear more than you think. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. You're on our Friday edition when I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. And backstage right now, Jack, we got one of our favorite guests that come on every Friday, the host of TGI Sports Talk. Great show, great interviews, great subject, Keith Angle. Let's bring him up. How we Good morning. Today? Good morning, Keith. Keith, uh, uh, first, first, we're going to tell everybody about your uh, baseball preview, MLB preview, come up on Roku on Tuesday, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Everybody go to Roku, check it out. Keith will be doing his MLB preview. I know it'll be a great show. Uh, and as he discusses MLB, anything else you want to tell us about the show, Keith? Now we'll be on probably a couple hours and we're going to go in depth into, uh, you know, each division and we'll we'll. We'll make our picks on the over-unders uh, for each team and pick some award winners and just talk about the big stories that'll be in face of us, in our face, I should say, this year, uh, including uh, things like Aaron Judge and, you know, what the Yankees are going to do there, not to bring up a sore subject with Mac. Uh, but well, 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 I, I, I got some Aaron Judge. I got some Aaron Judge news for you in a little bit here. Okay, all right. Know it. Um, who you said we, who's we, Keith? Oh, I'm sorry. My co-host that night will be uh, my local MLB guru, uh, guru Drew Ehrlich, who uh, is a Mets uh, aficionado and also a Major League Baseball uh, a follower of uh, some note here locally. So he'll be my co-host and we will go through the league. We did the same thing last year um, on my Sunday stream of consciousness, and I wanted to break this off into a one-off uh, special. Excellent. Excellent. So, folks, again, Tuesday, 7 to 9 p.m. on Roku. And we could have some other guests pop in during the show. Mac, Mac, we have got to do our baseball predictions at some point this season sneaking up. Just to remind you, last year, U.S. truly picked the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series and said the Yankees were going to make a wild card. They were going to get a wild card berth on the last day of the season. Both happened. Yes, yes, you did. How much money did you put on that last last one? You would have got a bundle of money on that. Right, but I'm not going to say all the ones I got wrong last year. Right, because (laughs) the Braves are the only thing I picked right last year, I think, the Braves. He would have lost all that bundle he won on his other picks. So (laughs) let's get to the final four. Of course, we got uh, Kansas at Villanova, Duke at North Carolina. Uh, both on TBS, uh, April 2nd, um, which is what, tomorrow, I guess, right? So uh, Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so I want to talk a little bit to you about in, about their backyard recruitment on these teams. You know, you would expect them to be scouring the country, trying to find the greatest high school players in these big universities. But a couple of them, a few of them, have come right from their own backyard, Keith. In Kansas, you have All-American guard Ochaya Abahi. Great player. Grew up in Kansas City. Chris Braun grew up southeast Kansas. 
Villanova has Colin Gillespie, played high school b- b- uh, basketball 20 minutes away. Eric Dixon and Chris, I, I hope I'm saying this right, Arkrunu, Arkrunu. Close enough. Uh, uh, grew up uh, in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. So some of these players, even the captains of the teams, uh, right in their own backyard. So the recruiting doesn't necessarily have to reach out across the country. They could be right there in your state. And, of course, uh, the better schools find these guys, Keith. Yeah, and uh, Baji, who you mentioned uh, for Kansas, he's a finalist for the Wooden Award as well. He's one of the five finalists there. A great player. Villanova that you mentioned, Mac, I mean, that's one of the things that Jay Wright has done very well. He doesn't go out and get the five-star recruits that these guys are all chasing around the country, as you mentioned. He looks for guys. Not They don't all come from the Philadelphia area, but New Jersey is a big uh, – uh, and New York is a big stomping ground for him. He coached at Manhattan and he goes and he looks for guys that are, that are going to fit the program and they're going to improve and they're going to be there most for the most part, three years um, and become a veteran team. And that's why his teams are so good come tournament time. Not to mention, he's probably the best coach in the country. Once coach K retires in my mind, the best coach you never hear anything about is Jay Wright. And uh, he's done a wonderful job there. And, and part of that is that local recruiting uh, angle, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, they, you would think, like I said, you'd, they'd be chasing people around, but uh, these these teams are pretty much uh, they find some of their key players right right there in uh, twenty minutes away. So uh, good for them. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad to see they're staying uh, hometown when they can. Um, a little bit about the girls' basketball. Uh, there's a lot of complaining about co- from coaches and universities about the port. The what do they call the port? Uh, where they move from t- t- team to team. I don't know. Transfer they portal. Transfer yeah, the portal. portal. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And it's, it's starting to get out of hand in the girls' side. And I, I can understand why, because you got some really good girl basketball players playing on really bad teams. I, you know, four points and a half, or, for example, on one of the teams that mm-hmm. made it to the NCAA. But now they're starting to get concerned about it, Keith. I mean, there's a lot of movement, uh, more so on the girls' side than the guys. Yeah, and I'm not sure to what what to really what to account that uh, that to um, as far as it being more on the women's side because it's pretty prolific on the men's side as well, both in basketball and football. I mean, you can basic I th- you can only move so many times, but you're literally a free agent, you know, when and with no penalty at all. And I really don't like that open on either side, women or men. I don't like that open ended transfer portal that they have without a good reason to move. If your coach leaves and who promised you he'd be there four years, then I get that, right? Give a kid a chance to move to a program he might better fit. But just to move on because, you know, I'm not getting playing time and I don't know. I I, I just think it's not good for the if for a uh, amateur sport to have this type of freedom of movement and no commitment from the kids. Sign Keith, a four-year school. Keith, doesn't that open up improprieties where people from one school might try to catch the kids here saying, if you come to our school, then you can this and that. Absolutely. Especially when you get the NIL to throw in there at the same time, right? Because you get, while it can't be a recruiting inducement, there's no doubt in anybody's mind it's being used that way. Um, so yes, I mean, there, it does open up all kinds of uh, opportunity for improprieties and, you know, the NCAA, especially in basketball uh, does not need that type of, uh, attention uh, any more than it already has. Well, Keith, I, I, you know, something 
I I can't fault them the kids to moving for better playing time in certain situations. When you're promised that you're going to have a shot at the starting quarterback at Alabama, for say, and you got three quarterbacks in front of you, and and you know you're not going to get your opportunity, I can understand why you know they're going to recruit you like the service does, right? They're going to give you everything. Then you get there and you find out you're not going to get everything, and you're a good enough athlete maybe to start on other teams. Now maybe they should have thought about that before they went to Alabama. I would say that. Got, yeah. But when you've got a coach, you know, a legendary coach sitting across from you saying, now, you know, you're going to play for us and we're, you know, you're going to go to NFL because you're playing at Alabama and blah, blah, blah. And all yeah. of a sudden you're not playing. I mean, I could see for the kid to have concern about that. Well, I, you know, I get, and there are circumstances where I would allow a kid to move, but again, remember these are young men grow, starting out their, their adult life in, in my mind, they're, you know, moving into their twenties and, we don't teach them anything about commitment when you can make a four-year commitment to a school. Now I understand it doesn't always go both ways, right? They can pull scholarships anytime they want and coaches move on, but you right. know, maybe they need to set a better example as well. But when a kid whoa, makes whoa, a whoa, whoa, kid, you, you said the kid could, you said schools could pull scholarships. Once they give a student a scholarship, they can't just go back on it. Once he's, you know, started school and he signed the agreement. There are ways that they, there's kids that have had scholarships pulled for sure. And, and again, I don't say they can just do it for maybe no reason, but the kids have had scholarships taken away from them. Um, but, but how can the school justify that and get away with it? It doesn't make sense. You offer a kid a four year scholarship. Yeah. It's a it's, it's a well, guaranteed thing. Well, it should be. But again, there's code of conduct thing. There's uh, keeping up. No, your there's no code of conduct. If the student behaves themselves and they go to class and they're able to somehow maintain the grades. Yeah, well, well, somebody, I, I, so when some of these schools are helping these kids maintain their grades, they can find ways to get out of their commitment. That's my only point. They, they listen, can I'll, give an, I'll give you an example, Jack. If you give somebody a scholarship, say, in chemistry, <laughs> and they decide to change their major, they can pull a scholarship. They can do that. Because you went Outside of the world. That. And, 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 and sports, I guess, could be the same thing. Say you got a four-year scholarship in football, then you decide I'm playing basketball. Well, you know, you came here to play football. That's why we gave you the scholarship. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I mean, if the student in good faith, let's say football is given a scholarship, he goes to the school as a wide receiver, and then when he gets there, the, the student's not that good of a player, I don't think the school can just pull the scholarship at that point. They've got to live with it. That's what I'm well, saying. I agree well, with that. I think they'll find ways to get rid of that kid in that scholarship if they really want that scholarship back bad enough. That's my only point. It could, it could. I don't know. I don't know the whole circumstance, but but there so are. It's like the what that movie one on one with Robbie Benson. That's a good point. I was just thinking. I of mean, that. I can't imagine that being the case in real life. Uh, you know what? You look at some of the things that we've seen in the news over the last 20, 30 years in in college sports. I can see that being a close to the truth maybe not quite as brutal as what we saw there but i can see it happening um keith the let's let's before i get there and judge let's talk about the patriots a little bit your defensive backfield is becoming the former backfield of the giants right now you got <laughs> ryan logan you got your bill peppers we do have bradbury available if you want him too i mean i like bradbury better than peppers actually but well you know i mean listen i mean you know we we, we could just uh we can just afford you a defensive backfield. Uh, now, in so, fairness, uh, Logan started. 
Logan started with us uh, and then right. went to the Giants. So in True. fairness, he, I could say he's an expatriate as well. But, yes, True. they do seem to be in love with the Giant backfield. And yes, I think it's because they played so well. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. But, you know, Jabril, listen, Jabril Peppers is a hell of a safety if they stop putting him back on punts and getting hurt. I yeah. They did it one year, and then they did it again. He got hurt again. I'm like, well, let's just keep doing it every year because, you know, we don't need him playing safety. It's been a bit Joe Judge's fingerprints all over it because he was a guy. Obviously, Joe yeah. Judge had to like Jabril Peppers an awful lot with the Giants, yeah. you know, for him to come over to New England now. Yeah, this has been a bit of a head scratcher of an off season so far for the Patriots. You know, there's they make a move here and there that I think is good, but overall, I'm I'm not sure what the plan is right now. Malcolm Butler's back. Who would have ever thought Malcolm Butler? It's like welcome back, Carter. Exactly my point about head scratching, right? I mean, I almost scratched a little bit of hair I have left. I nearly scratched off my head the day they signed him. Yeah, we were talking about Lester Hayes. I heard he's available too, so maybe I'll be there. <laughs> you guys can have a. I don't know, think he can wear the stickum today. I think it might I, be. I don't think so either, but he'd find a way. He'd find a way. So, yes, Boy, we're old. So let's <laughs> so let's get to Aaron Judge. Just, uh, from from very reliable sources, the Yankees offered him thirty million in air. They're saying between six and seven years. Sources also say Aaron Judge turned it down. Because he wants to be Yankee for life, meaning he wants, you know, uh, trout, uh, you know, years. He, he wants more than than seven years. Uh, Keith, they made him the offer. He refused it. They got to trade him. Um, yeah, I can't defend Aaron Judge for turning that money down. Saying you want to be a Yankee for life, well, how does that contract not make you a Yankee for life? You're going to be 37 years old by the time it's over. I mean, you know, how long are you going to play? productively. So I don't have a problem with the offer from the Yankees. $30 million a year is more than fair. He can get more elsewhere if he was a well, free agent. I didn't say think about it. Yeah. Well, if he hits the open market, it only takes one stupid owner to give him $50 million a year. Right. So no, we're again. not talking that, but someone will step up. He'll get 35 million elsewhere, 37 okay. million in that ballpark. I know. Maybe I, even more, maybe even I, a little more if he has yeah. a big year. You're probably right, and I've spent a lot of time here defending Aaron Judge, right? But you do not tell me you want to be a Yankee for life, but I'm going to hit the open market to see what else I can get. You can't have it both uh, I think it's going to be done by opening day. I really think the Yankees are going to go up to $35 million a year. For, and I, I in my prediction, $35 million a year for eight years, and I think it's, it's going to get done. That's ridiculous. That's my that's no, it's, not ridiculous. it's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. I hate the back end the last couple of years. years. He's gonna Aaron Judge is going to be a top of the line player the next five, six years, and then maybe start declining a bit. And that's what you do. He's These teams know that the contract's not gonna they're not gonna be worth what they get paid their last two or three years. They already know that. That's, no, you know, he, he's, know that. he's he's only played two full years, Jack. Three he's times. He's in only played years. two full years. His in body, for some reason, cannot take the, the punishment to play in the outfield. If that's he's the no case, Dave, he's no, Dave, he's no Dave. He is no Dave Winfield. I'm sorry, guys. He's not. If that's the case. Yes. Uh, well, you're comparing to a pretty good player there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm comparing case, him to though, what, what you guys think Aaron Judge is. And he's not. I'll tell you what he is. In five years, 
three of those years, he was in the top five in the MVP voting, and the other year he was 12th. So that's a pretty damn good player right there. It and is. One it is, Keith. Keith and the one who's a feature franchise. I am not trying to say Aaron Judge is not a great ball player. I'm trying to say that he's living in a fantasy land right now. If he thinks the Yankees would give him, and if the Yankees do, I'll be upset, give him eight years, he's out of his mind. Ten years. Whatever he wants, Pools contract. This is what it, this is what he's talking about. If I that's, the only, if, that's the, if that's what stopped, it's going to get done. It's going to get that, done. If that's what's stopping him from signing it, and he's not going to sign, it, I say trade him right now. Get get as much as you can get for that man. What would you offer him, Mac? Years and money. I mean, I, can, I listen. What you, listen. What, what's your line? My line would be five years. I go as high as maybe thirty-five, and that would be it. Five so years. 175 for five years, he wouldn't take that. He would want more than five years. So no. right off the bat, what I said earlier in the show, they've got to establish the amount of years and then the money and know how high they can go in years and money. And then if the Yankees say, we absolutely can't push the envelope to that point, then I'm all for them making some type of deal. I mean, they, yeah. you have to know what's your breaking point. That's what the Yankees have to know. And Judge has to know what's the Yankees' breaking point as well, how far he can push them. How I got to believe it's going to get done in the next few days, and that Judge knows it's going to get done from his end as well. But he's just trying to squeeze out as much as he can. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, again, they've done it with players that don't, that aren't the face of their franchise and haven't come up through the organization. They did it with Stanton. They did it with Sabathia. And they didn't get great years out of the back ends of those contracts. Well, we don't know about Stanton yet. A-Rod, we didn't get great years out of the back, year, back years. That of those was contracts. a dumb contract that took A-Rod to age like 41. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was, it was stupidity, you know, to so give A-Rod so that this, So would this one be, and I disagree with you, Brett Gardner's the face of the Aaron Judge is 30. <laughs> I'm not talking 10-year deal. If you take him to age 37, to age 38, that's when he starts declining. You're not stuck to age 41 where it's a real albatross. Listen, if you Listen I respect Brett Gardner as much as anybody, but he and and, and love the guy to death. He's not the face of the Yankees. Though. Oh, I, I think he is. I think he is. If you want to say somebody the face of the Yankees in the last no. five, six years, I'd say it'd be Brett Gardner. He's the face of why they have any World Series. He's the face of why they have any World Series because he's had to play too much. As much as I listen, the, the man, the no, man goes out God, there. He hasn't been a face of the, the Yankees. The man goes out there and plays hard every day, and we'll and, his, at, and at his best, oh, he, was, Mac, he, was a, he was a good year. Good the Yankees are visiting Coors Field in Colorado. And the guy's going with his family to the Yankee game in Colorado. They're not saying, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing Brett Gardner play. The kids aren't saying it. They're looking I forward would. to Aaron Judge. No one's oh, looking forward to seeing oh, Arnie oh. on the road play. Aaron Judge, Aaron, Judge, Aaron Judge would not play that game because he would have a boo-boo. So. I don't know what happened to the I don't know what happened to the dynamic on this show, but like six weeks in a row, I've had to been forced to agree with Jack on things, and it's okay. really good. Listen, listen, you know I'm gonna rally your cage. I, I honestly, though, Keith, I really believe that's a fair offer. No, Judge it is. That if it Judge is. doesn't take that, if he doesn't take it, it won't and take I, I say, Jack, 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 Jack. No, if he's he talking about this thing. If he does not take right. this offer to me, season starts, I trade him. He's gone. 
I, I, I do again. I again, I'm going to get it done by opening day. They'll probably will up a year and maybe a little bit of money. Guys, yeah, can we'll I see. just say one thing? Remember the days before free agency? Buy the Blue came up as a sensation, and there wasn't free agency yet. And Charles Finley, Finley the next year, the owner said, Blue, either you take my offer or you're out of baseball. Could you imagine those days? Were and he was, and he was out of baseball for about two months, I think. Yeah, you're I right. Remember. You're right. Uh, he got back in, though. So anyway, anyway. Anyway, Keith, I had to rally your cage about that. I, but okay. I, really, I really believe that that's a, a very fair offer. And if he really wants to be, as you said, a Yankee, he'd take this offer. And if he doesn't take this offer, if this is as high as the Yankees go, he doesn't take it, trade him. Because you don't want him playing out yeah. that contract. You don't want him doing that. My worst so. nightmare is he signs a big contract and gets hurt in two weeks, and i got to come on this show and face you. <laughs> uh, it would be awesome. It would Steve be awesome. Cohen is watching these developments. Now, uh, who cares about Steve Cohen? Stan's not the face of the franchise just because he makes money. No, A Rod was never the face of this franchise. He made more That's money right. than anybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Carlos loves Stan. I don't know why. I think he does. Well, whatever. He had a good year last year. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, one year doesn't make a doesn't make him a, a, a face of the franchise, that's for sure. Great. Or else we would have had a couple other ones like a Brocious or I forget the center fielder's name right now. Kevin Moss. Like, I'm yeah, just kidding. Four grand stands <laughs> in one year. <laughs> anyway, Keith, I love having you on talking about Aaron Judge. We'll continue this saga probably because this will be an ongoing saga. There will be, and I enjoy every minute of this. When he um, retires in eight or nine years, what the hell are we going to talk about on Friday? Yeah, we'll talk about the new Aaron Judge. I don't know. If, if, if baseball's even around, who knows? Baseball is just <laughs> – Judge should have been put in this contract. He'll take one less year, but the Yankees put it in. They're going to retire his number because they retire so many numbers. Oh, they come God. to that compromise and get him to have a place for him in Monument Park and retire his number if he signs the Yankees deal. I could do a whole show on some of the numbers that shouldn't be retired, but that's another topic. What would, you know what would be great, guys, if Aaron Judge signs the contract Gets kind of hurt, bats like 250 with 10 home runs for the next eight years. That would be awesome. I would love that. Well, you don't want the Yankees to win, apparently. <laughs> right. That would be awesome. Why would I'd you root like, for that, though? I'm yeah. not. I'm just, I'm just talking about entertainment value, Keith. That's oh, I see. Yeah, yes, I'd have to come here. With, I'd have to come in here with a bag over my head every Friday, probably. Right, right. So, Car uh, uh, Carlos is telling us about his article you wrote about Cashman. I read a little bit this morning, yeah. Did you really? Is it is it in a book somewhere or is it? It's uh, on Carl, it's on the Mad New Yorker face page or a Facebook page, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. When it gets published, Carlos, I read. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm messing with you, Carlos. Uh, Keith, I want to thank you for coming in and taking my 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 nonsense every time you come in. Nah, and, I love uh, it. Folks, be sure to watch Keith Angle, TGI Sports Talk. Uh, Carlos does Chavez does uh, go in there co-host with him uh, as the Mad New Yorker. Um, but check out his show. Great show. Great topics. And does a lot of local coverage on a, a lot of things. And, hey, knows a lot about college sports more than I do. So, Keith, thank you for coming in as you do every week. We enjoy having you. Always great to be with you guys. And one thing before you go, Keith, the sure. April 28th draft show. Are you going to do it with us again this year? Sure. What, what's that, a Thursday night, right? Something like that. Thursday night, yeah, about 730, we'll go through the first round. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, cool. So the, the draft show is starting to line up. And, uh, and we're going to have a lot of big guests and, and some live uh, live uh, reports from the draft. Jim Jeffcoat might be there, and the Jetman will be there. He'll be coming live. The Jetman, I, 
we haven't seen the Jetman in in what months. So he'll be there uh, live at the draft too. So, so this year we'll be able to understand Jamie because he won't be wearing that whole uh, face mask thing he was trying to wear last year that fogged up on him every time. Jamie, I never understand bags. I, you know what he's talking about? I just, I just agree with him or say something to get him rattled. That's all. You know. AAA packs. I'll tell you, the Eagles have three number one draft choices in the middle of the first round. Now, I mean, they're going to have interesting. I've got some news on that too, as we talk to Pags after the break. Thank you for stopping and always enjoy having you, my friend. Real quick, tell Pags, uh, maybe he's hearing me now, but again, congratulations on the one-year anniversary of the NFC East show. I had fun with those guys the other night, and I got to come out from behind my phony uh, Redskins uh, fan uh, persona on the show that night, and I had a lot of fun. Command- with commanders, commanders. Oh, geez, I yeah. said it again. Damn, my yeah, jar's well, still over here. Yes, yes. Well, I gave him a hard time as soon as I got on the show, the Redskins. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you, Keith. Have a great one. Have a good weekend, guys. All right, buddy. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle. We'll hurry up and get our uh, our breaking so we can bring in my favorite favorite man, uh, Pags, the Philly sports guy. So we'll do that right after this quick break, Jack. We'll be right back uh, after this, folks. So stick with us. Here comes the king. Here comes the big number one. But why the beer, the king is second to none. Just say, but wiser, you've said it all. Here comes the king of beer, so let's hear the call. But why the beer's the one that's leading the rest. When you say, but. And each foot makes it beer at its When you say, but. One taste will tell you. So loud and clear. There's only one fun wiser beer when you say but you said it all. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. When the job is done, this guy will be ready to dig into something mighty good to eat. How do you handle a hungry man? The manhandlers. One of the manhandlers is Kemble's Vegetable Beef. It's a man-sized supper off to a good hot start. Mmm, good. The manhandlers. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, is it each?
Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. Well, I'm, I'm live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. And backstage right now, folks, we have one of my favorite people, not only a great guest, a great has a lot of knowledge about uh, Philly sports and sports in general, but does a lot of work for a lot of different causes. And uh, he's just a good guy, Jack. He, they, people follow him all over the place. So let's bring him up now, the Philly sports guy. How you good morning, guys. How are you? Um, we're doing good. Would, would Russell Westbrook say Pax is a nice guy? Uh, no. No. Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook would say that uh, he does not want to deal with me ever again. Yes, yes. And that's true. <laughs> so, Since we are talking about basketball, let's talk a little bit about the 76ers. Seems a little discontent on that team right now. Pags at the worst time. And be openly calling uh, uh, the the use of him against the Bucks not so good. He said he should be playing the same amount of minutes that Giannis, the Greek freak player, they brought him in too late. They were ahead. And, uh, you know, he should have been playing when Giannis was playing. And, of course, that's a uh, kind of a slight at the head coach, Doc Rivers. And then Doc Rivers comes up in the loss against the Pistons. And he doesn't blame his bench. He blames Harden for the, the uh, decisions he made while the Pistons were switching defense. So maybe you're right, Pags. At first, I thought it was a bunch of mumbo-jumbo about Doc Rivers. This is the time of year your team needs to come together, not start arguing and start talking about how the team should be uh, utilized. And right now, Doc Rivers is out in main front of this. I hate being right. Uh, especially in this type of situation where I feel that Doc Rivers was always the problem, you know, and it, it it's interesting that it took this much time for Embiid to finally say something. Uh, he kind of alluded to this before with this load management uh, uh, like a year or two ago when he's like, yeah, I want to play more. And he understood that, like, he felt that it was the purpose and the reason why it cost him the MVP last year, that load management and the way that they were dealing with him was what took away the MVP. Now he had a game where Giannis has taken a, a big step. I, I would say right now it's probably Giannis is right behind him for MVP. And in the third game of the season, the, the, the one that's going to determine who wins the season series. And for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, when they were up by 10 points, Doc decides to leave off both Embiid and Harden on the bench. And, you know, what, Gianna scored like 15 points in a row. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. And by the time that they got back out there, they were down by two points. So uh, it that is a Doc Rivers problem, and it always has been his problem. He had does no has no idea on how to utilize his bench properly and be able to get uh, the most out of his starting five. And because of that, well, I, I feel mean, like that's we, the problem. We know that we know the seventy sixers aren't. Real deep, right? That their their starting five is how they're going to win this thing. They do have a couple bench players who can come in 
but they're not like some of the benches in the NBA that can come in and beat your bench. They're not that they're not that deep. And when you lose to the Pistons, uh, when you're in the battle to try to get first place, and you come out and you call out uh, one of your stars, I don't know if he thinks he's motivating them or not. But uh, you know, listen, he's got he's got to figure a way to get his three top scores and Harris more involved in the game. And that should be his job right now. They've got chemistry going and getting it solid. And right now it seems to be having a little bump in the road. Now 76ers might bounce back. They might not. And and I would I would have to agree with you finally that if they don't, this is definitely a Doc Rivers problem. Well, I to be honest, I think the fact that he called out Harden signed his death warrant. You know, I, I again uh, we already know that Harden and uh, Maury are like the best of friends. They're like besties up there. But uh, Maury so went out of his way to get Doc Rivers. As soon as the Clippers let Doc Rivers go, Maury was all over him. And the, you know what, Pax, what's very revealing? The difference in the organization culture, let's say, between the Miami Heat and the Sixers. Jimmy Butler could go off at Eric Spolstra and the Heat organization is basically going to say to Jimmy Butler, shut up, he's the coach, he's the boss. You listen to Eric Spolstra, and Eric Spolstra is extremely secure in Miami. But with the Sixers, Doc Rivers' job is going to be in jeopardy if the star goes off on him. Well, I, I we haven't heard anybody go off on him yet. I mean, it's only been the rumblings from the, you know, from the fans. You know that it's been it's been more internal than anything else, and there's a feeling that you know that the Sixers are not paying attention. Truth of the matter is, is that I think they are paying attention, and I know that. So more as his first big thing that he did was get a new coach because he didn't really get any players before then. He got a new coach, you know, and he became available. Hey, listen, this guy's won a championship. Let's get him here. You know, obviously, they, they have gone with this coach. Uh, you know, Brown Brown lost a ton more games than he won. Hasn't been able to coach in this league since. And realistically was just, you know, I mean, he was a good coach. It's just, you know, he was the start of the process, you know. And now Doc was supposed to be the, the fine, you know, the finishing of the process. And it's still not going to be finished here. I don't think that he's a good enough coach. I, like I said, I feel like that the one championship they won, they won in spite of him rather than because of him. And that any other time that he's been to the finals or to the championships or in, in big series, he's lost. Hmm. And that's, and you know, you can't take that away from him. And then you know the LA I mean? Clipper years where they underachieved. Well, is it underachieved? Or now, now when you look back at it in a different way, because they did have, they did have the personnel to be able to compete and win. Was it poor coaching? Could very yes. well have been. Good questions, Peg. You know, I I, I was kind of not on board with you, but now with this happened with the 76ers, again, it could be a blip in the road. But, man, this is the time of year you can't be having dissension. This is the time of year you got to be coming together as a team. And if you look at – not, I don't think enough credit is given to the Bucks coach, head coach. They always seem like they're having fun. Giannis enjoys basketball. You can tell that. When he's on the court – Anytime when he's not even playing, he's talking, he's laughing, he's joking. Where the other players in the NBA seem to always be tense and 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 ready to fight, and he's just so laid back, man. He's just 
going talking to the kids and he just loves what he's doing now maybe that's because he's from a poor country and he comes over here and he loves being here maybe that's why because he's not been raised here but it's just that's the type of player you want on your team man you don't want somebody out there i don't care how how great you are that causes dissension and you know uh, good good for Giannis. i mean you know i i I, it's just fun watching him play i agree and and, you know it's there's something to be said for that. I mean, obviously, they're out there. They are having a good time. The coach is able to manage how all of those egos, because there's a ton of egos when you're when you're dealing with the basketball team. I mean, there's only, I mean, think about that. There really is only like 460 or something like that, you know, 360 jobs uh, on, you know, in the NBA amongst every basketball player that there is in the country, in the world. So... You know, when you're when you're dealing with stuff like that and, you know, those egos are pretty great to be able to have a team that is kind of always loose, you know, even in tight situations. I mean, think about that. The Sixers were up by 10 going into the fourth quarter and the Bucks took that away in a matter of four minutes time, yeah. four minutes yeah. time. They, they were able to erase that. And that was really I mean, that was a battle for second place. Yeah. Now. There could be an argument that says that the Sixers don't want to win second place, that they would rather be in third place because of the way that the seating would work uh, and all of those other situations that would occur. Obviously, um, you know, there's possible that they could even be the number four seed, you know. So, there's, you know, I think that, you know, when somebody was reading it out before, I says they would drop to the number three seed. Boston would be the number four seed. So it would be Bucks, Heat, Philly. Boston, and then Toronto being the number five seed, and the Bulls being the number six seed, and then you have the you know whoever makes it in the play-in games. Uh, if this is a way to be able to work your seeding, and that this is a play act, because it could be. I mean, it just you have to act like you're a little upset about the fact that you lost to the Pistons. You should be upset, anyways. I mean, Twitter, Philadelphia's you know Sixers Twitter is going nuts today, saying that you know that they're really calling for Doc Rivers' head to begin with, that it's time for him, time for us to move on, and maybe right now would be the perfect time and a wake-up call for this team. Truth of the matter is, is this team is, is not built you, well enough. You know, Pat, I think when you start playing like that, if you're going to play for a seed, you're going to end up messing yourself up. I mean, you either go out there to win or you, or, or you don't. I, I, I don't. I don't think any team – can win by playing for seeding and trying to match up that that there's too many variables in there and i if that's what they're doing then that's a mistake in my opinion i would agree because ultimately you still have to get through the teams that are going to be the best teams anyways yeah yeah so. if, if the, it's not working out with the sixes why not move on from daryl murray if the harden deal doesn't work out and just make a trade harden to miami for jimmy butler if jimmy butler can't function in miami one for one, that's a pretty similar deal. Butler gets reunited with Embiid. He'll be thrilled. Embiid would be happy. And maybe Harden gets it done in Miami. I don't know. I mean I don't know. I don't know that it's it's one player. You know, so I in fact the way that this team is constructed, there's no real sixth man. And every every NBA team that I can ever think of that, you know, won championships had a really good guy coming off of the bench. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. like in every single way. I mean, that's why they have a sixth man award because that sixth man really is a 
integral part of this team. And the but that's on your GM, it. not on your coach to get the right six. Yeah, men. but I mean, he also had to deal with the cards that he was dealt. You know, obviously, this was a big fight to be able to get, uh, you know, just to get rid of Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? And he waited his time. He did that right. I feel like that for the first time in a long time, you know, and when I say a long time, I say mostly since maybe the beginning of this process when there was the first guy who was able to start the process and says, hey, we're going to need a big three and it's going to take a minute for us to get there. And, you know, this is going to be all a process. I mean, realistically, that guy had a real good plan. And his plan was to acquire assets, get the right three people. Once you have those people, you start to build around them and you make the championship. In essence, that's what happened until the, until the NBA came in and said, whoa, we're not going to let you do this anymore. And, you know, they made the Sixers fire him and then they brought in, you know, you know, Pantangelo, whatever his name is. And of course he's, you know, was making fake Twitter accounts so that he could, you know, talk about how good of a GM he was uh, it was, and all got caught, and it was ridiculous. It was completely that's, ridiculous. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> no, but I think that realistically, and then you had you had Brown for a minute do this, and you know, ultimately, I feel like Moore is the first real basketball guy that's been in here for a while, like in a real while that actually has a plan, and he hasn't been able to, you know, formulate the entire plan yet. You know, I mean, unfortunately, he's dealt with all of the contracts that he's had. He he can only deal for what he can get, you know, and they have either they're stuck up against the salary cap and things of that nature. So there's lots of different things and reasons why he's just quickly speculate. If the Harden deal wasn't made in the Sixers state path, would they have been better off at this point only sticking out with Seth Curry and Drummond as opposed to Harden? Probably would be about the same, but unfortunately, I think that as we got into the playoffs, you would see the difference. I think that Harden, Harden is not, hasn't turned the switch on yet, you know, and I think that once it, once that switch gets turned on, that it's going to be a little bit of a different, we're going to see a little bit of a stronger game from Harden. And I feel like that he's kind of storing that till the right time, you know, where I feel like the Celtics, in, in, in this case, like the Celtics have sort of peaked a little early. You know, where they're spending, you know, where they won like nine out of 10 games and uh, they, they've been playing really good basketball. I feel like that that they peaked a little too soon. So the fact that the Sixers are losing these games coming in and, and you know, losing to Detroit, it's obviously this is Detroit. How do you lose to Detroit? Well, obviously, Detroit's trying to do everything they can to prove to, you know, their team and their city that every one of those players is worth keeping. And so, I mean, that it is what it is. Obviously, these teams, these teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, are still trying to play because they got jobs to keep. Uh, and, and I think that the Sixers kind of just took them too lightly. And in the process of this, I thought that they were, I thought that they were outplayed. I thought they were outcoached. I, I think that they were, everything was pretty bad. So, uh, moving forward, I, I fully expect that uh, something's going to change, and it's going to have to change with the players themselves. Does Doc, do the Sixers need to at least go to the finals for Doc Rivers to hold on to his job? He has to get past the second round. They definitely I have said to the final. I, let, let's say they get eliminated by the Nets in the Eastern Conference finals. 
Does he, you know, does he lose his job in that circumstance, losing to a rival before they get to the finals, a major rival? Yes. Well, so I think the conference finals, uh, to be honest, I feel like that he'll keep his job all the way to the conference. If he gets to the conference finals, if he gets out in the second round, I think he's gone. And that's that's where I think the line in the sand is. Unfortunately, I wish it would be the finals because that really does put, uh, you know, the bullseye on his back. But ultimately, I think it's just going to be the conference finals. Well, let's turn from the 76ers real quick and head to the Phillies. Alec Bohm, third baseman, comes up, has a great season. Last year falls off. Uh, there's talk. Uh, Girardi says his third base, he's ahead right now, but it's not etched in stone. There's words that uh, Dombrowski might be shopping him. But what are your thoughts on Bohm? Do you think he turns it around this year, Pax? Hard to say. Uh, the things that I feel like his first year, there wasn't a lot of tape on him. Uh, in baseball now, they start, they, they've they used a lot more tape. You know what I mean? They started to figure out what players are all about. Uh, and in an offseason, you can't really do it during the season, but in an offseason, you can analyze every pitch, where, where you need to throw him, where his hot and cold spots are, and so on and so forth. During a season, it, it, it's a little different. So I feel like when he came up, there wasn't a lot of tape on him, and he was able to get to pitchers. I think now that they know exactly what he is, they're going up against his weaknesses, and they're winning. Pitchers are winning. That being said, is it able for him to get beyond that? I mean, of course, it's going to take the hitting coach and such. His defense has always been a little sketch, so it's not, you know, I think you know what you're getting with him as, at third base. It becomes more a matter of is his bat going to be better? And I feel that what happens on the field kind of, you know, you know, shows up at his plate appearances. So he's got to have a short memory. If he makes an error in the field, he can't bring it to the plate with him. And that's that's one of the things that good baseball players are able to do. I mean, you have somebody like, you know, think about Castellanos, you know what I mean, where I mean, he's not the greatest of outfielders either. You know what I mean? He definitely has his mistakes out there, but he doesn't bring it to the plate with him. He can he can make up for those mistakes by his at-bats. Bohm has to learn that. And until well, he does learn that in a big way, he's going to still have some of the same you know issues that he had last year. He's a young kid, so I, you know, I, I, I think he's got a future with the Phillies if, if he, if he works, works hard, which they say he is doing. So we'll see what happens with that. The Eagles, talk about them bundling draft picks to move up. Now I know how tempting it is to go up and get that shiny new toy. I have never seen, and maybe Jack, you can remember, somebody taking like two first rounders and a second rounder and going up and getting a first pick or second pick, and it working out to to the amazement. I mean, the, the greatest uh, that it could be. When you have three first-round picks and you've got some solid second-round picks, there is great players probably in the first three rounds that the Eagles could get. So I think it would be a mistake, Pags, but how about you? Do you see them moving up to get one of the top five college players in the country? Well, I'd heard very early on that they were looking at possibly trying to move to the number two spot. Now, they don't have a second round pick. So ultimately, I, you cannot, in my opinion, you cannot bundle all three to try to move up to the number two spot uh, only because that number two spot is 
is not as valuable than the three players that you could get. Uh, ultimately, I know that they are targeting a couple of people. You know, it, if they were to move up there for a quarterback, obviously, I, I, I don't agree with that. My thought is, is that they're looking at uh, offensive or defensive line. And if you're going to get up that high in the draft, you know, that guy better be uh, on that line for 10 years. I mean, that's that's what you should be getting. That's what you're getting. That's what you're trying to get, at least. That's what you're trying to achieve. And ultimately, I mean, who knows if that's going to happen? We don't have a crystal ball to be able to say, okay, that, you know, is Hutchinson the guy, the guy from Michigan who's the defensive end? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the MO that I think that they are going, that they're going to try to get that number two spot to try to get him because he's going to be a top five talent. Uh, or they could go offensive line again, just to try to be able to shore up that line. Because the one thing, the thing that they value most besides quarterback is the lines. They they understand, just like I do, that that's where you win championships. So if you're going to have a guy that you don't have to worry about for anywhere between eight to 10 years, and they like Michigan, you know, defensive linemen. Obviously, they've kept Graham all this time, you know, and that's that kind of worked out. Even though it's he started off slow in the big, you know, in his in the beginning, he was not the you know the best rusher. So, and he's gotten better with age. Actually, he finally got. I think he gotten you know the most he's ever gotten is nine sacks, but he's been able to get in there and he's been able to work real well. And hopefully he comes back healthy again so that he's able to, you know, be a really good contributor on this line. I feel like that that's where they're going to be heading. They're going to be heading for him or the guy from Georgia, uh, the offensive lineman from Georgia, who I think is also not going to make it out of the top three picks. But they might so, pull a surprise, the Eagles, and go for DK Metcalf, figuring putting them, putting them on the other side of the field opposite Devonta Smith and giving Jalen Hurts some serious weapons. I, you know, somewhat DK Metcalf isn't staying with Seattle. Something's going to happen in a draft band. Someone's going to make a move according to need. And if the Eagles, did the Eagles have the cap space to do something with DK Metcalf? Because if they do, they certainly have the uh, chips to get them. Uh, they do have the cap space. The cap space isn't the problem. I, I mean, I, I have been a little outspoken saying that I feel that DK Metcalf is as, as a cancer. Again, I'm not in the locker room, so I can't say for that 100% certain. However, I mean, as far as a, a physical specimen, I mean, the guy, the guy definitely takes a lot of time out to make sure that he is physically fit. You know what I mean? And he's doing everything that he can to, to make sure that he's, you know, they said, when you look at him, I mean, he kind of reminds me of Terrell Owens in terms of just, you know, how he takes care of his body and things of that nature. Uh, he is able to be very physical. He is one of the fastest guys out there is able as they saw, what was it, two years ago when he ran down that defender from 20 yards back and was able to catch him before he scored a touchdown. Those are the types of things that you want out of a player. I just don't know. I feel like that Russell Wilson was, was traded because DK Metcalf was bap bap bapping, and now that he's gone, DK Metcalf is like, ah, that still ain't enough. I, I want to get out of here. So, well, well, well Metcalf uh, packs going his last year's contract year. I think Russell Wilson left because it's a rebuilding year, and he's not going to be on a rebuilding team again. And he doesn't want to hear that. 
But DK Metcalf is definitely not going to be with Seattle come year time. I, I don't know if I agree with you or not. I think he's a great receiver. I think he would help the Eagles. But, um, you know, there is his, there is there is his outspokenness, if, if you want to say that. There definitely is. So <clears throat> maybe not good for the Eagles in that way. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, how, how does he go? How does he go to another team and be the number two? You know what I mean? That's that's the thought. No, he wouldn't be the number two. That'd be two number ones, and maybe if either uh, him and I don't know that Smith I agree with that. There's one. always a one and a two. There can the, only be the, one. Devonta one. Smith's mm. only in his second year. It wouldn't be a big deal if Devonta Smith was one A and Metcalf was one. I don't think it would shake anyone up. Okay. I mean, I, I think that I, I think differently. I think that egos are important, and I feel like, especially when it comes to DK Metcalf, his ego is what drives him. And that if you were to if he was to go to a team where he wasn't the number one wide receiver, that it would come out very quickly, and well, that, you, that would start to divide brought, you, a locker room. You brought up a great point with Terrell Owens. You see what happened with the Eagles uh, when you know when you guys. Uh, went to the Super Bowl, and, and I think he might have caused you guys to lose the Super Bowl, if you want my honest opinion, because they should, they were right there with the Patriots. And I think his his antics in the huddle and his antics uh, with the quarterback, McNabb, I think hurt them uh, that year a lot. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Get to your uh, – we want to talk to you a little bit before you leave about all the things you got coming up. I know you're working some charity events. You got uh, the draft coming up. You Arm wrestling, I'm not sure if anything else is going on with that or not. But let us know your update right now, Pax. What do you got going on? So today, of course, I'm not painted up yet, but today starts the 30 days of face paint for autism awareness. As we know, April is autism month, uh, autism awareness month. And April 2nd, uh, everybody should wear blue for autism awareness. So I'm doing 30 days of face paint for autism to raise money for the Eagles Autism Foundation. Uh, and of course, at the end of the month, we're going to be at the draft. So that's going to play a part in that since I'm going to get paid it up anyways, I might as well get over there and do that thing and, you know, and all that fun stuff. Um, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a very interesting month. And once I get off of here today, I've got a couple of things I have to do. April 23rd is, uh, when we're going to have our, you know, second annual, uh, Eagles autism foundation beef and beer where we're doing a chugging for charity. We're looking for the best beer chuggers in the area uh, to come down or from anywhere. If you want to come here and try to win, the winner gets uh, two tickets to the Eagles That's versus rally, Giants. Mac. That's for you, Mac. Eagles versus Giants. That's what you can win. Eagles versus Giants up in Giants Stadium with the ta- you know, transportation tailgate. So wow, uh, anybody could win that. Anybody could win that. Uh, also, that same day, we're going to be having a wiffle ball tournament where uh, we're going to have a couple of ex-Phillies coming into town or coming in to uh, do that. So it's going to be a really big day on April 23rd uh, at what I call my living room, which is Dolan's Bar. Uh, that's so all, it's going to be awesome. a lot of fun. There's a lot of – so, like I said, uh, some ex-Phillies, some ex-Eagles, some current Eagles, uh, one, one specific current Eagle who can chug a beer faster than anybody else that I know of. So it's going to be a big, uh, fun day, and it's going to be a fun month. That's awesome, Pax. Awesome. Glad glad you're out there doing all your things there. Folks, the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags, knows more about Philly sports than anybody and is always giving his time 
and and helping people and and that's one of the great things about the philly sports guy pags thanks for coming in we'll see you on sunday have a great friday and then have fun painting my friend thanks guys have a great week all right buddy so there you go folks the philly sports guy always doing something he's always up to to something always raising funds and and doing his thing he's a great guy so folks thanks for joining us today have a great friday night we'll be back tomorrow with the mac and jack debate show with dr paul semendinger will be in with us it was great great show great having you along and you guys again have a great friday night